This episode is brought to you by Everlywell. Everlywell is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash no meat. This episode is also brought to you by our brand new Compliment Daily Greens with five science-backed greens for powerful benefits. Go to nomeatathlete.com slash daily-greens to learn more and save 15% when you subscribe today. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, I've been thinking about you a lot this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's good. Always like to hear that. My nose has been itching a lot this week. That's a, that's a signal yeah. of that, right? Uh, that's right, yeah. I think it's actually when you talked about this. Oh. <laughs> it hasn't always been positive, but no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, Eliza's at our first soccer camp this week. We talked a little Ooh. bit about soccer last week and how we're going to a game. We, we yep. decided not to go last week, but we're going on Saturday. It's, okay. it's uh, their big pride event, which is the biggest game of the year, and it's supposed to be... Okay. Uh, supposed to be more fun, so we decided to go this weekend, this Saturday instead. But um, uh, she's going to go into soccer camp, and so I've been doing sleepaway you know, camp. Is this you pack? Oh no, off, no, this is off? just uh, <laughs> this is just in Asheville. Okay. Um, what is uh, it? Soccer camp? I mean, soccer shots or uh, British soccer camp? It's uh, oh, I don't even know what it's called. It's with the oh man, what's the what's the kids' league in Nashville? The uh, Asp Aspie or something? Like Abysa. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's there. It's there. there. Okay, good. Okay, so it's just half day. It's at the fields out by the nature, nature center. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but anyway, I've been dropping her off in the morning, doing the morning drop off, and watching all the kids run out into the field. I think this is a new experience for me as a father. You know, of course, <laughs> yeah. I I played soccer as a kid, but uh, you know, she's got our shin guards on. This is her first like you know team sport type thing, and uh, it's been kind of it's been fun. I haven't actually stuck around to watch them for very long or anything like that, but um, you know, it's just it's just fun to uh, to to see. Uh, I don't know to see the like kid the youth sport stuff in action, and um, and I've been thinking about you because I know you do. You spend a lot of time watching your kid run out into the field. That's right. I have I've been at that very soccer camp and been to many games at JBL fields when they're not flooded. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, they're, they are very good people there at ABYSA, especially in the younger group. Like there's a guy named Shane who you probably will meet and uh-huh. he's, uh, he's been awesome with Holden and Ellery. And anyway, um, they, I've definitely like sat on those bleachers and watched some of that camp in the, in the, you know, early spring. It just was always, I remember it was good weather, weather was heating up and I'd go spend an hour or so there after drop off and then, then move on once I realized I was the only parent there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to feel kind of creepy or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, but good times though, for sure. Good times ahead. <laughs> until it until it becomes your entire life, and then it's not fun anymore. Which is what yeah. I'm well, that that's now. kind of what I was thinking about. Is like, how long will this excitement for me uh, stay, and then or eventually it's gonna wear off? Where I'm like watching terrible <laughs> soccer. You know, I mean, at least your right. kid's good, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I was actually just thinking about this recently, like how we got into this, and like how much fun it was in those early days. Because in the early days, I think if I mean I don't know, maybe this is a bad parent. If my kid wasn't very good at the sport, I would have not like been that into going that much. You know, I would have I would have mm-hmm. still gone and supported, of course, but like 
I don't know. It would have been a chore to have to go sometimes if, if it was... I, I, maybe this is wrong. Maybe if they were truly just loving it and I could watch them love it even if they weren't good, then that would be fun for me. For sure, that would be the case. Sure, yeah. But yeah. I don't know if I'd want to do it all the time and then start having them... Like, what if they loved... What if they weren't good but just kept wanting to sign up for more and more leagues and, like, different stuff <laughs> and suddenly you were doing it every single day and uh-huh. all your weekends were gone? You know, then if they weren't good, I, I don't know. I guess at some point I would say, like, like, why are we putting this much time into this thing? But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway, uh, but yeah, so like we've actually been really dealing with this because both my kids are good players and they both want to keep doing more and more. And we've gotten to the point now where it's like every, of course, there's a practice every single day, but every weekend now, like there's two and three things going on and we're splitting up and like somebody's going staying in this hotel with one kid and someone else's home or at a different place. And it's like, that's fine for a couple weekends, but when it becomes weekend after weekend after weekend, it's like it starts to become like, well, what, like, why, why are we doing all this? Like, is this really worth it? Uh, but it's it's very hard because there's no like it's it's what everyone else does. If you're good and if you want to stay competitive and be, you know, doing what the other ones are doing, you sort of you sort of have to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't I don't know what to do. Like, we really there's not a good answer. I mean, you could say we're not doing this stuff, but right then then. <laughs> yeah yeah anyway right i mean it's it's yeah i guess you gotta work with the kid and find what the right balance is for them so yeah exactly speaking of which we're uh we're packing up tomorrow morning <laughs> you're headed out for the weekend yeah, going to virginia beach for uh, a couple of days with the kids for uh for a sand soccer tournament which is actually a really really fun weekend uh because it's it's like a mile or two of the beach they just they just block off and make all these sand soccer fields and uh, there's like a pro, very very high. Well, I guess it's the pros, the highest level of sand soccer that there is. They those teams all come. So there's like a center kind of stadium, and uh, it's really fun to watch because in sand soccer, you as you can imagine, you can't dribble the ball very easily on sand. It's just mm-hmm. you can't have any speed or control of the ball. So so much of it at the higher levels anyway is aerial. So the ball is like some yeah, of the players will juggle it down the field, um, and and a lot of the passing, uh, most of the passing is aerial. And they're juggling it down the field. Yeah. Some players will sort of, that's how they move it quickly down the field. If there's not a lot of people near them, Uh obviously, uh, because then it's hard to juggle. But the, uh, the rules are also set up to encourage like aerial shooting. So like bicycle kicks and stuff like that. Mm. If, uh, like if you even touch a player who's in the process of a bicycle kick, it's a foul. So it sort of encourages people to to do that. stuff. So it's actually really fun to watch and and it's cool and good for the kids. Sounds really fun. Yeah, and that's I mean that's at the highest level. The eight year olds aren't doing that kind of stuff necessarily. <laughs> but uh, holiness. <laughs> I mean, the, his teams they're in they're in little mix. I mean, in the in the middle, they they do some of that stuff, but uh, but not not too much. You're barefoot, yeah. You're you're barefoot, except the sand is really hot, so they sell uh, these shoe things that are they're kind of like pool shoe looking things. Okay. Where, but they're they're even less. They're more like a sock with a with a reinforced bottom. So some people <laughs> wear those. Okay. And then uh, probably no like shin guards or anything. No, no shin guards. That Just... sounds. I mean, it sounds fun. I bet it's. I bet it's really fun for him because it's different too. Yeah. Like, drawing from the same skills, but. Yeah, that's that's why it is fun. It's fun to watch that too. But it is. I mean, I don't know how the kids do it because if you try, to, if I run around in the sand for twenty seconds, mm-hmm. I'm just exhausted. Like I just can't. You know, just huffing and puffing and like, ankles are tired and. <laughs> they just they just do it all day for three days. <laughs> awesome it is good good times um 
I have a quick shout out, which I give in this episode, in this interview, oh, yeah. I mean, um, to my wife, Erin, who just hit two years of her running streak, uh, which I guess is 730 days. Is that right? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Which is amazing. Uh, it was, it's kind of no big deal. She like, didn't even realize that she did it until wow. a couple of days later. She's like, Hey, I hit, I hit two years. So yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. It's amazing to me that anyone could run that long. I thought my streak of 75 days or something was, was a whole lot when I did that. Uh, and what yeah, was yours, Doug? Yeah. Was, was some 400-something? 420-something, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I that, it just blows my mind. Honestly, it really does. Two years is a long time, and uh, a lot can change, and a lot can happen to your body, to your routines, to everything, and to keep that up for two years is, is awesome. You know, the only reason mine lasted as long as it did is because I had an end date, you know, and I was kind of right. just fighting to that end date. But I am, yep. I am certain, 100% certain, that it would have ended earlier if it was just kind of an ongoing thing right um and so i you know i just uh sh- huge shout out to to aaron for doing that it's very inspiring yes thank you i will pass that along uh speaking of end dates we in this interview with chef aj the one and only chef aj who many people know she was on our podcast uh a few years ago i don't know if she's i don't know how i remember interviewing her in 2015 i think based on what house i did the interview from uh, but I don't know if she's been on since then. I know we've done some other things with her. I don't know if a podcast appearance was one of them. Uh, but anyway, we talked in the end because Chef AJ's methodology, which Aaron, that's how she came up in conversation with AJ. Um, she did AJ's program a long time ago, Ultimate Weight Loss. This was like, this was probably in 2015. Yeah, it was right before I interviewed her. Um, and, you know, had a ton of success with it. It's really like kind of what, what brought her, got her back into fitness. I mean, she remained healthy and vegan after having kids, but like somehow it was just in a little bit of a, of a rut and AJ's thing, like just, just sort of woke her up and like got her, got her going again. And here she is running for two years in a row. Uh, but I was at, cause I, I remember from those days that like her, the method is, you know, in those days I thought pretty extreme. Uh, it's basically like Joel Furman's eat to live program, which I always talk about as being kind of extreme. It's like, it, it, there's nothing like controversial about it it's just you basically eat the healthiest foods of a plant-based diet and you eat only those foods you don't have you don't have you know junky treats and things like that you don't have coffee you don't have alcohol uh it's i mean it's it's the healthy food and not anything that is arguably not healthy Mm -hmm. so it's not controversial to me anyway uh but like there's when there's so little on offer it's like like how do you get people to stay with that AJ has a lot of good recipes, so that's, I think, her trick, is she actually really has some decent, really good food. Um, but, like, you know, it's kind of an all or nothing. Like, you just go for it. Yeah. So, anyway, she talks in this interview about how it doesn't have to be that way. You can use her new book, Unprocessed, 10th Anniversary Edition, which is what we were talking about. Um, you can just sort of dip in and out of that if you're interested. You don't have to, like, just go all in. Um, but, anyway, I was just talking to her about, about you know, how do you – get started and how do you like why not do like a gradual on-ramping small step kind of thing and she mentioned which i didn't wasn't planning but she talked about how she encourages people to do like a 21 day challenge of it uh where you have that end date in mind because then as we've said so many times on this show uh when you have that end date in mind it like it it's just some it's, it's really hard to like have the willpower to get through cravings or in the con you know in a non-food habit to like just a time when you don't want to do your habit anymore you you want to quit for whatever reason uh it's very hard to overcome that and get past that 
if there's a, an undefined end to this thing. Because then it feels like the rest of your life has to be this. But if you just have to get to a certain point, and then you can kind of feel good about yourself, and then you can decide, I want to keep doing this, or I don't want to keep doing this, from a better state at that point, um, I, I just think that like that is one of the most effective habit change tools there is. It's how I went vegan, which I'll talk about in the episode. Um, but I, it's just I don't think I don't think challenges get enough uh, get enough. What's what's the word here, Doug? Play. They don't. They don't. People don't. <laughs> people don't talk about that as like an amazing habit change tool. But to no. me, it's right in the middle of the massive action and the small steps. Mm-hmm. And, it's and it's the way perfect. to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. We should start a challenge. <laughs> well, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> no, that All wasn't right. that wasn't saying that I, I had thought of that, but certainly we should start it. We should uh, we should do challenges. I think that it's just the way to go. I, I agree. With you. Anyway, um, yeah. So this is Chef AJ. By the way, I have a new microphone, newish microphone that I never hooked up to Zoom, and this interview was done via Zoom. So about five minutes into the interview. <laughs> Uh, I turn on my microphone, and hopefully the audio quality improves. But uh, that's that is the explanation for that. Well, I'm excited for it. I I love Chef AJ. I love her spunk and her um, her zest for life, and uh, she's just always a joy to listen to and talk to. And um, any good friend of Nomad Athlete, so uh, yeah, she's been vegan for 45 years. 45 <laughs> yeah. years? I don't know anyone who's been vegan that long. I don't think besides her. Like I don't oh. know if I can think of one person. Yeah, I couldn't believe it because she seems so young to me with her energy level. Like, I didn't know yeah. she was like that. Like that. I mean, she went vegan when she was five. I, I mean, I don't think so. But <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. she, just, she just has an amazing energy. And she's done a ton of, uh, of work for this, for this plant-based world and movement. So yeah, uh, yeah, honor to have her as always. And if you want to check out her book, if, I mean, if you don't feel like listening to the whole interview for some reason, her book is Unprocessed. And that was her <laughs> book she wrote back in, I guess it must have been 2012. Uh, now she has the 10th anniversary edition out. It's not her like weight loss guide, but it's all of the recipes that she uses for that. And now this 10th anniversary edition, she has improved on some of them, made some of them a little bit more in line with her philosophy. Uh, I think some of them had too many calories from nuts and things where she's she's really, you know, doubled down on the caloric density thing nowadays. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of removed a few of the nuts from some of her things. So anyway, uh, just a little bit more in line with her her nowadays ideas. But uh, but like I said, really instrumental book in, in my wife's journey, and uh, it's one that I would recommend. Awesome. Well, with that, uh, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor and then jump right into the interview from there. Okay. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Everlywell. Take action today for a healthier tomorrow with Everlywell. Their at-home lab tests can help you get the knowledge and support you need so you can become a healthier you. Everlywell is digital healthcare designed for you all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. Here's how it works. Everlywell ships products straight to you with everything needed in one package. To take your at-home lab test, simply collect your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your your physician-reviewed results get sent to your home or device in just days. And you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide next steps. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everlywell to support their health and wellness goals, and you should too. You did, Matt, right? Not only did I, Doug, I also then turned around and bought Christmas gifts for my wife and my mom, Everlywell tests. Yeah, not the women's health tests, as you might expect, but the food sensitivity tests for each of them. 
uh-huh. uh, and I think I had done the stress and sleep test. You know, and you know what happened with all those tests? What the positive experience? A lot of times with these things, you ship it off, and then you just tech. In this case, nowadays, checking your phone for the results to come in, uh, and it just always seems like it takes forever. This one, anytime I've done this, the the results came so much faster than I expected. It was just I don't I don't know want to say how many days it was because I don't know if it was three or four or what, but like I just expected it was going to be weeks, and it came you know a few days later. So it was a very positive experience. Awesome, yeah. Well, that's uh, I hope you used the coupon. I hope you got the discount when you. Uh, oh, when I got you a dis- those. I got a discount and HSA uh, medical card. Expense it counts. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, for listeners of this show, Everlywell is offering a special discount of twenty percent off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com/nomeat. That's everlywell.com/nomeat for twenty percent off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell.com/nomeat. And this episode is also brought to you by our own daily greens. So when it comes to plant foods, it's hard to beat a leafy green on a qu- on a per calorie basis. They're the most nutrient-rich foods that you can find, and, you know, they're mighty delicious. But most of us aren't getting nearly enough. You know, we're not adding them to the plates as to our plates as much as we should. Enter Compliments, brand new Daily Greens. Daily Greens is the greens powder we've always wanted for ourselves and for our families, one that lives up to the promise of diverse real food greens, convenient for at home or on the go. The Daily Greens formula starts with the latest science on well-rounded, nutrient-rich foods and how much of each you need to experience the benefits. By focusing on just five greens, barley grass, spinach, corella, broccoli sprouts, and moringa, the organic formula zeroes in on the ingredients that have the biggest impact for your health. The best part is that most of these greens are probably ones that you don't get otherwise, uh, You know, maybe with the exception of greens. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> spinach. But uh, yeah, that's, and, and you know, that is the best part, but I'd say equally as good is that it actually tastes delicious, and you want to you want to drink it, yep. right? And so do the kids, which is and so do the kids. Amazing. I cannot believe my one and a half year old just chugs this stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, I just I think it's awesome. Go to nomadathlete.com slash daily dash greens to learn more and save fifteen percent when you subscribe. That is nomadathlete.com slash daily dash greens. All right, let's get to the episode or to the interview. All right. Hey everyone, Matt Frazier here. I am with a longtime friend of mine in this space. Uh, her name is Chef AJ. You will no doubt know who she is. Chef AJ, how are you doing? Hi, Matt. I love your recent blog post of why you don't eat oil anymore. I was so <laughs> impressed. Yeah, that was actually a very old blog post, um, but uh, we, we've been sending out like the best of over the over the past few weeks and. Uh, yeah, it, it was really popular. That one got a lot of a uh, lot of attention, way more than most um, blog posts do. So uh, I was happy about that. It's I, I must confess, I do eat some oil these days, um, but you have definitely made me much much more mindful about it. Uh, but also, you're not you're an athlete. You're not a food addict. You're not overweight. But but it just shows that if you don't want to eat it, you don't have to. You're not going to drop dead. In other that words. is that is exactly right. And I. I've always been someone who's kind of drawn to cooking. In fact, before I went vegetarian and then vegan, I was really into like, you know, like every, like a lot of people watching food TV, food network, whatever. And I was really into food and I kind of stopped being quite so much of that when I went vegan, I kind of just got more motivated by the health side of it. But the oil thing I was hanging on to forever thinking you have to have this or else it's not going to be like a filling and tasty meal. But it turned out that wasn't really like there wasn't any problem with not having it. It wasn't it, it's I honestly think side by side. I don't know if you would notice the difference between most of the things that I make, whether they had oil or not. 
Um, and I, I wasn't that like I was hungry or anything. Like it really is totally practical thing to do. Now it's a little bit harder if you're going to be going out to restaurants and things like oh, that. You got to make more effort. But uh, but yeah, but we'll get into things like, you know, how you deal with situations like that uh, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So anyway, uh, we, I don't know when we first met. It was probably on the vegan cruise, uh, the holistic holidays. So because you 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 had yeah, I remember because you had your kids with you, and I had to kind of like watch my pouty mouth a little bit. <laughs> That's right, because <laughs> they were really young at the time, and I was doing a, a cooking demo that was maybe R rated, and your lovely <laughs> wife was there, and uh, and I remember because she had listened to my talk, the secrets to ultimate weight loss, eat up, slim down, and get healthy on the cruise, and that's when I think she was really understanding this concept of calorie density that I teach. Yes. So you were a huge part of my wife, Erin's story um, about not just weight loss, but kind of regaining her passion for fitness in general. Uh, You know, she and I had always been into running and stuff. And then after we had kids, I think she just went a long time without running races and things like that. And, you know, added some weight, but it wasn't like an issue or anything. But I remember we went to your talk uh, and it was like this light bulb just went off for her. And that was really like the beginning of her just kind of coming back to all of this. And she, she did the chef agent who joined your, you know, bought, bought unprocessed, the original unprocessed book, um, joined your, I don't remember the name of it, but your, your online group. Ultimate and, weight loss. Yeah. And just followed it religiously for, I don't know how many months it was, but it was three, six, nine months. Uh, I remember I made her a fruit birthday cake that year out of entirely fruit. There was no other ingredients because that was literally, she didn't want anything else. She was so committed to the program that that was just what she wanted. And, uh, it was a really, really great time. And, and I'm very grateful. In fact, yesterday she hit her two year anniversary of running every single day. Uh, so she's done that now for whatever it is, 730 some days. Um, but really you're, uh, you're seeing that talk and then finding you and getting into all your stuff was really the beginning of the, of her kind of second, um, second, you know, coming to fitness. So I am forever grateful of that. I know she is too. I wish she was here. She could thank you. Um, but yeah, I just wanted everyone to know that like this, what we're talking about what your stuff um, really has been has been huge for us. So thank you for that, and uh, I'm excited to to share some of your your tips and your approach and all that stuff with with the Nomad Athlete audience. Oh, great! Thank you. Sure. So um, let's get into. I guess for those who don't know, we we have a podcast episode with you at least one, maybe more. Um, at least one, yeah. And it's I think it was called the Key to Losing Weight the Healthy Way, and it followed like the episode right before that was about how Aaron lost 18 pounds in whatever amount of days it was. Um, using your program. And it wasn't some drastic extreme amount of days. It was, it was, you know, a, a healthy amount. And that's why the, the episode with you was entitled the healthy way, because the way that you tell people to lose weight or help people lose weight um, is, is really by eating whole food. There's, there's not starvation. Exactly. No, it's, it's, it, and that's the thing when people really understand what to eat, they don't have to worry about how much they have to eat. And, and that's, we, we have dieting backwards in this country. People are told to uh, weigh and measure their food on a plate, count calories, carbs, and points. And that works for as long as you're willing to do it. But how many people are willing to do it forever? But how many people are willing to eat all the potatoes, rice, and beans, fruits, and vegetables you want? I think a lot more would do that. Yes, I think that is right. Uh, that is that is a huge reason why your program works so well. Um, so you mentioned calorie density. Can you explain people? You can probably do it much. You probably have much more practice explaining yeah. that to people efficiently. Yeah. Um, so let people know what that is and kind of how it plays into right. your approach to weight loss. And so, so the most important thing I've got to explain to people is calorie density is not counting calories. Because when people count calories, they either carry around a little book wallet and they feel like they have to memorize the amount of calories and a half a cup of blueberries or a cup of rice. Nope. Calorie density simply means 
the average calories per pound of food. And people are like, well, I don't eat pounds of food. Well, actually you do. Even if you don't weigh and measure your food, you really do eat probably at least three pounds of food a day. And we know this from the research of Dr. Barbara Rolls at Penn State University, that most human beings, at least adult human beings, eat about three to five pounds of food a day to feel satisfied and not to be hungry. And that's why dieting fails so miserably is because they're telling you to eat less food. When you eat less food, you get more hungry. And when you understand that food varies in calories per pound from about 100 calories per pound, which is non-starchy vegetables, to 4,000 calories per pound, which are all processed and refined oils, that there's a 40-fold difference in the calorie density of food. If you simply change what you're eating, you can actually eat more and weigh less. And it, I, I mean, once I understood this work from Dr. Rolls, which by the way, it's taught in so many of the plant-based programs, Dr. McDougall's uh, maximum weight loss program, Dr. Dean Ornish, eat more, weigh less. Most of the healthy weight loss programs are, are rooted in this theory of calorie density. It, it's really um, unbelievable. And the, we're so lucky that all the healthiest foods on the planet, all the plant foods, are the foods highest in nutrient density. So we don't have to like worry about that because fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes are the foods that are the healthiest. They're whole plant foods, unprocessed, found in nature and highest in nutrient density, lowest in calorie density. It's only when we get into that realm of processed foods, like the oils, the flour, sugar, alcohol, those kind of things that we have to worry because we evolved as a species at a fairly low calorie density, maybe 700 calories per pound. The foods that are causing people to have health problems and to be overweight and obese, these are not foods that existed in nature. And these are very high in caloric density, like, for example, 1,800 calories a pound for refined sugar, 4,000 calories per pound for processed oil. So I don't even think of these things as foods, really. And, and when you just really go back to nature, eating whole foods from plants in their whole food form, you're not going to struggle with your weight or your health. Yeah. So, so that means what it, what it kind of comes down to is how much room the food takes up in your stomach. You can get full on way fewer calories if you were eating less calorically dense foods. Uh, like you said, the plant-based diet, if you avoid the added, the sugar stuff, the fake stuff, uh, the processed stuff that, you know, unfortunately the beyond meats, the impossible meats, uh, and, and the oil, like then pretty much our food, what we're left with for the most part is relatively low in the calorie density scale. And that's why for a lot of people, plant-based diet, you know, turns out to be a diet that helps them to, to, you know, reach the right. weight they, they want to, but you got to, you mentioned fiber, Matt, and that is just so important. I think people don't realize that we are basically a fiber deficient nation. You know, so many people like me that have been vegan for 45 years or longer, we have heard that question, where do you get your protein? And we don't have to worry about that, as you know, in a plant-based diet, but where, what a lot of people have to worry about is where do you get your fiber? Because the problem with things like all the fake meats and cheeses and the oils and the sugars and the flowers is they're basically fiberless foods. And we have to understand that fiber is not just important to weight loss. It is, it's crucial, but it's important to every bodily process. It flushes out toxins, binds to cholesterol, but where weight loss is concerned, it really is the key to the kingdom because it allows you to feel full on fewer calories. So when you have fiber, which is found in whole plants and water, which is found in whole plants, and they are together in the whole plant, they create what is known as bulk. And this is what creates satiety, that feeling of fullness that actually allows you to feel full and satisfied sooner before you overeat. Oil has no fiber. It has no micronutrients. You would have to have an unthinkable amount to ever activate the mechanisms of satiation, those stretch receptors, nutrient receptors, and calorie receptors. So it, it really just comes down to eating what our ancestors ate, which is basically food. All right. So, 
I remember in that first talk you gave, and this has kind of been throughout the years that what I've thought of as, as Chef AJ's plan is basically eat to the left of the red line, right? And the red line being the one that divides the high calorie density from the low calorie density. What are the foods that are like directly to the right? Just like, I don't know where the cutoff is. Well, actually one of the foods that's just a tiny bit to the right is not a horrible food. And we probably could include it And that's avocado. It's not that it's an unhealthy food. It's a very healthy form of fat. And I always recommend to people, that's the thing I don't understand about oil. Oil doesn't taste very good. Eat fat, eat nuts, seeds, avocado, tahini, those kind of things. But avocado is a little bit higher in calorie density than the other fruits that people don't realize it has a seed. It's actually a fruit. Most fruit is anywhere between 67 and 300 calories per pound, but avocado, because it is so high in fat, is 750 calories per pound. And what other people also don't realize is if you were to go on the website of the California Avocado Commission, now these are the people that grow the avocados, so ostensibly they want you to buy them and eat them, they say that a serving of avocado is one-fifth of a medium avocado. How many people can eat one-fifth of an avocado? If you can do that, bless you. You don't need to, to listen to what I have to say. But but uh, but if avocado is, it's not like it's a never food. You know what I'm saying? Not that anything has to be a never food. It really depends what your goals are. If you're struggling with weight or food addiction, certain foods for certain people might be trigger foods. And sometimes those high-fat pleasurable foods cause people to eat more than they would. But avocado is certainly not like a sin or anything. But then you start moving into the because also it's an, it's still a whole food. But where people really seem to struggle, Matt, is in this area of about 1200 to 1800 calories a pound. And these are foods that don't exist in nature. These are things like ice cream, flour, sugar alcohol, these kind of foods. And again, it's not to say that people can never eat bread. But when you think about it, bread is about 1500 calories per pound. Whole grains that make up the bread are about 500 calories per pound. And if you were to eat a pound of cooked brown rice, fill your belly at about 500 calories, you'd be really full, but it's a lot easier to jam in a lot more bread because when you process a food, you tend to make it calorie rich and nutrient poor, and it's much easier to overeat on. And so, well, sugar is just, I mean, I have nothing good to say about sugar because especially since I was a pastry chef at an LA restaurant and never used it, I made all my desserts with fruits, primarily dates. And mm-hmm. nobody said, well, where's, you know, where's the white sugar? Where's the brown sugar? Where, you know, no, you can't tell. I mean, sugar is the easiest thing of sugar, oil, and salt to replace. But the thing is, is when you process these foods, you're getting rid of the most important thing, not just the fiber, but the vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants, micronutrients, and the water. And we are not only a fiber deficient society for the most part, but a micronutrient deficient society and things like oil and sugar and flour. These really are kind of nutritionally empty compared to the whole food. So if you want to eat olive oil, why don't you just eat the olive? It's way more delicious. And you have the fiber. So so fi- fiber really just tricks the brain into feel, thinking it's full on fewer calories. And it has either no, it has like one calorie per gram. So really it's, it's such a win-win situation if people would just go back to the idea of eating whole food whole. And that's really all you have to do to be healthy. And if you have weight to lose, it's the same thing. We don't eat different foods because we're trying to lose weight. Yes. All right. Good. So um, the trick then is getting people back to, to do that. Right. So you've, you know, like, like I said, like your program is based on that very simple rule. And I, you know, I know there are other things. I remember when Erin was doing this very, very seriously, she was making a pound of cauliflower every single, every, at like, I think it was probably 10 or 11 AM. And that was the first thing she would eat. And that was her big meal at the start of the day. And like you said, you get a lot of micronutrition in relatively few calories. That's a great thing. 
um, that combination, Joel Furman would say that's sort of the, the formula for health. Um, you know, lots of nutrition, relatively few calories. So that's great. Uh, so those things like the start of the day with the pound of vegetables, that wasn't really, that's not really a core rule. Is that more like sort of a. a yeah. So, so, so it's, it's again, you know, what I find is that most people eat a dismal amount of vegetables in our mm-hmm. country. It's something like less than 10% of calories from fruits and vegetables. And some people, honestly, Matt, even vegans eat no vegetables. And so I always tell people, especially if they're struggling with their weight or food addiction, specifically sugar addiction, start their day in, in a savory way by eating vegetables first. Because the truth is, is all eating stimulates the production of dopamine in your brain, but the more calorically concentrated the calories, the more dopamine is released. And so the best time to eat foods of a very low caloric density, like non-starchy vegetables, which have about hundred calories per pound is when you're truly hungry, which is the first time you eat food for the day, because hunger really is, it's the best sauce because you're not going to go and eat a delicious you know, acai bowl with oats and, you know, chia seeds and cacao nibs and almond butter, all that stuff. And then say, oh yeah, I think I'll have some vegetables. It doesn't work that way. So the idea of this sequencing that Dr. Alan Goldhammer True North talks about where you eat foods in order of increasing caloric density, it not only increases your enjoyment of the food, but it actually, it starts filling your stomach. If foods, like you say, of a lower caloric density, higher in fiber. And, you know, people say, well, I can never eat a pound of vegetables. Well, really? Like, have you ever bought a bag of frozen spinach, maybe to make a dip and squeeze the water out. It's such a small amount. It like, you Mm -hmm. can like hold it in the palm of your hand. Now, of course, if you're going to eat a pound of raw kale, that's going to be a lot of food. But when you cook your vegetables in all the many healthy manners that we recommend, it's really not more than a couple of cups. And it just, and it may be like, you know, you being an athlete, I'm sure you're very disciplined, especially when you're training. It's sort of like, it's a habit. And it's, it's like a keystone habit that when you, when you do it, it's like, my husband has never been overweight, but he does it too, because he says, you know, after I eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch, I'm not going to go back and eat my steamed greens. So he always starts mm. his day with a pound of vegetables, never been overweight, never been food addicted, because the truth is most of us need to eat more vegetables. And the cool thing is about vegetables that I didn't know this at first is that at least the, the cruciferous ones, the dark green leafy, and I believe cauliflower, even though it's white, is still a cruciferous yep. vegetable. They have a compound in them called thylakoids, which Dr. Greger writes about this in his book, uh, How Not to Die, but I heard about it first from a different author in a different book that's not even plant-based. But what these do is they actually, it's like they turn off the hunger switch and they help people that have you know food cravings for sweet things. It kind of obliterates them. They're really magical in that way. And they're good for you. What can I tell you? They're good for your skin. They're good for your memory. They're, they're just vegetables are so good for you. And if you don't eat them first, most people aren't going to eat very many of them. Yeah. And cruciferous vegetables, obviously very, uh, powerful cancer fighter as well. Um, so yeah, any excuse to eat more of those is a good one. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, so I think people listening to this, if they weren't familiar with you before can tell why I like this approach. I mean, there's like, if you're, if you're on board with plant-based and you're not, you're not concerned about protein and all the other things that come with a plant-based diet, there's nothing controversial here about what you're saying to eat. You're, you're basically telling people to eat the healthiest foods on the plant-based diet and not eat the ones that are, that are less healthy, which is all the refined, you know, stuff that in these days is much more prevalent in stores than it used to be. Um, but like I was saying, so like, I think the challenge then, like, it's pretty obvious to me why your diet helps people lose weight. You can eat as much as you want of really healthy foods and, and you're good. Um, the hard part, I think, and if there is a hard part, is, is the, the compliance, the doing it. 
if you read like Dr. Furman's book, uh, Eat to Live, which I love, love his stuff. But like, I'm reading that and like, I can't imagine doing this forever because it just seems like so much hard stuff. You make yours, you know, you're, you ha- you're a chef. You, well, you, I don't know. Are you a real, real chef or is that I just sort of you? I'm a real chef. I really did go to culinary school about 20 okay, years good. ago. You're so a real I chef. I think I am. Yeah. And okay. I did, I did work in a restaurant for about five years. Yes. Good. Okay. So you, you talked about habits, which I want to get into. Um, and how do you kind of, how do you get people to build this habit? But part of the reason is, is the food you make is actually really good. I remember when Aaron was doing this, we were eating some really delicious foods. Like we would have, and they would be simple foods that I was kind of always amazed that a healthy dinner could be so fast. Like she would bake some potatoes. We'd pour some salsa on there and some black beans and squeeze some lime juice. And like, that would be dinner. Maybe some broccoli in there, but like just really healthy foods and they tasted good. Um, of course you've got lots and lots of recipes in unprocessed and now you've got the new 10th anniversary unprocessed out right yeah and and what we did is we actually updated some of the recipes matt so when i wrote this book 11 years ago and it came out 10 years ago i didn't understand calorie density at least not to the degree that i understand it now and so one thing i did which not a great idea is i said life is uncertain eat dessert first so i had the dessert chapter be the first thing in the book (laughs) not such a great idea. And a lot of the recipes, because I had more recently come out of culinary school, were very rich recipes, still whole plants, meaning nuts and seeds, but very high in fat. And for people that needed to lower the fat in their diet, maybe because they were following Dr. Esselstyn or Dr. McDougall or just wanting to lose weight, these weren't ideal recipes, although they were great for athletes and children and people that didn't struggle with weight issues. So what we did is we created options wherever we could where they could lower the fat in these existing recipes. To give you a perfect example, one of the most popular recipes from the first sun process was the perfect pesto stuffed mushrooms, which were stuffed with pine nuts. Well, you can do a lower fat version where you substitute garbanzo beans or cannellini beans for the pine nuts, they're still very creamy. They're still very delicious, but you have significantly lowered the fat and they still taste really, really good. Some of the recipes that called for nuts in conjunction with dates, like for dessert recipes, well, we found that you could use oats and still create a delicious dessert, but again, significantly lower in fat. Also with the new book, we were able to include color photos by the enormously talented Hannah Kaminsky. We have a brand new forward by Dr. John McDougall. And uh, it's, I think it's a nice uh, anniversary edition of the book. And is it, uh, is it primarily a cookbook or is your, uh, do you have like the Chef AJ method kind of explained? Well, we don't have the whole caloric density explained. That's in my second book, The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss. Mm-hmm. But I do tell my story in the book. Um, there's still all the recipes are there in the original form and the updated form. But I do get into why I feel an unprocessed diet is best. And I'll tell you, when I was teaching cooking, I've been teaching cooking for, for even before I went to culinary school. So o- over 20 years now, I realized that the whole world is not going to go vegan, especially overnight. And what I did notice, though, is that a lot of people even though they weren't willing necessarily to give up all animal products, they did want to eat healthier. And if you ever tried to argue with somebody that really believes they need to eat meat or dairy, it, it, it's, it's really kind of a waste of time. And I, it's not, it's an argument that, you know, probably I could win, but it's not one that I wanted to have. But what I was able to do is meet people in the area of unprocessed and saying, Hey, look, I'm not even here today to tell you to eat or not eat animal products. I don't think it's a good idea. Here's why. But even if you think you should be eating animal products, nobody needs to be eating processed food. And I believe that I learned that a long time ago from Jack LaLanne, who said, if God made it, eat it. If man made it, don't eat it. And so I'm not the most popular 
person at the, at the veg fest, because I've kind of been bashing processed food for a long time because I have seen so many lives destroyed by it. People, mm. people don't realize if somebody is not suffering with weight or food addiction, they don't realize how serious it is for the person suffering with them, what it does, not just to their health, but their self-esteem. And it, it's, it's a very hard thing to do. And if you get rid of processed food, whether you eat animal products or not, if you're struggling, your life is going to be so much better because what people may not understand is that these processed foods full of sugar, oil, and salt were designed to be addictive. Now, does that mean everybody gets addicted to it? No, of course not. But for a large percentage of the population, the food scientists that engineered these foods, and I say engineered because these really aren't foods, they were engineered to be addictive. I mean, they even tell you in the advertising, it's addictive. We bet you can't eat just one. Once you pop, you just can't stop. But for a percentage of the population, they really can't. And that is why compliance is so hard. Not because black beans and salsa on a potato don't take to taste delicious, but these foods of a higher caloric density, as I mentioned, produce more dopamine, they can't compete. And that's why I'm not a fan of processed food, because knowing from reading books like Michael Moss's Salt, Sugar and Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us, or Dr. David Kessler's The End of Overeating, that these companies pur purposely design these foods to, to create what's called a bliss point in people's brains so that they would they could not stop eating them. And so people for, you know, there are people, Hey, look, are there people that can eat these foods and not be overweight? Sure. And are there people that can eat them and be healthy? Probably. I still don't think they're healthy because just not being overweight isn't the only marker of health, but a processed food isn't food. It's, it's readily available. It's socially acceptable. It's easily affordable, but it's not food. And I think once I un understood that it was not difficult for me because I didn't want to line their these companies pockets with my dollars once I knew from reading these books that they intentionally created a product that would derail the average person's brain chemistry and make them customers for life so for me it's if the compliance isn't hard because I don't look at processed food as food yeah that's a really good point um and, and I think if anyone eats uh the chef AJ way the unprocessed way for any amount of time a week uh I think you start to look at food in a different way. For me, this happened when we went to the Woodstock Fruit Festival. Do you remember that? Or do you know that event? I don't, I think it's still going Absolutely. On. The one in upstate, upstate New yeah. York. Yeah. Michael Arnstein and yeah. his wife put it on. Uh, and we went to that. And like, you only eat fruit. You eat a little bit of, uh, I think they had some like half of a head of lettuce that you could eat, like eat a whole half a lettuce head. And that was like a big treat because it wasn't sugar. And it was like something that was a little bit different. And, um, but anyway, the point is after like four days of that, and we loved it. It was a great time. It was really cool. But like after four of the days, it was like torrential downpours. And we decided to get in the car and like drive off the, the, the campus for lack of a better word. And we like went in a Target or a Walmart or something and saw all the food on the shelves of one. It was like a grocery store version of a Target. And I remember it was the strangest feeling looking at boxes of like colorful foods with advertising of all these things and seeing it on the shelf and thinking that that was supposed to be food. And that like, prior to the just four days of not eating any of it and just eating fruit, like suddenly it didn't seem like food anymore. It was the strangest thing. And I, I think people listening to this will not fully get that because it sounds like an exaggeration, but it was just a strange, it was like, it just hit me. It was like, I can't believe like we've ever bought this stuff. It just doesn't seem like it. Now, as I've gone back into regular life, I've certainly gone back that way and I eat some processed food here and there. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore, but it, it definitely was like a wake up. It was, a, it was really interesting that it does that. And I think like you said, your brain, it gets hijacked by this stuff and food addiction. I mean, that's a very, very real thing. And, and the term 
is is accurate because that's that is what's happening it's it takes over and and you especially if you're someone who struggles with this uh it's almost like you don't have another choice if you if you kind of have gotten triggered so anyway i don't want to speak about about the psychology of all that because i'm i'm not nearly as expert as you are um but i'm curious like i remember when when aaron was doing your program it was it was kind of all or nothing like she was she was doing it there was no like compromise and like some days i'll do this or have a cheat day do you uh, like someone who wants to check out on process, for example, the 10th anniversary end edition, if they get this book, like, can they just like cook a recipe here and there or, or, you know, assemble a recipe here and there and, and eat this stuff. Like, do you recommend that? Cause when someone wants to go plant-based, I'm always like, well, yeah, you don't need to go overnight. Just like try it and do it. Like, what do you think about that? Well, that's a great question, Matt, because I, you know, we kind of started talking about these ideas that really are more for my second book, The Secrets of Ultimate Weight Loss. Unprocessed is actually a great starter book for people that aren't even vegan. We don't really delve into food addiction and weight loss in the book. We delve into health, meaning processed mm. versus unprocessed. And so I remember, you know, I have a, she's my friend now, Sharon McRae. She bought this book when her kids were like three years old. They're, they're all, they're, you know, they're adults now. And that was the book that she used to transition them from a vegetarian diet to a vegan diet because kids like the higher fat, they need the higher fat recipes. And so a lot of these recipes, for example, if you were to make a disappearing lasagna, you could make that for company that's not even vegan because it's it's just, these are very, very good recipes. The smoky sweet potato burger. So it, you don't have to struggle with weight or food addiction to enjoy these recipes in the book. And also most of them are fairly easy to make with somebody with average, average skill. You don't have to be a chef. I really try to do that because even though I'm a chef, I don't cook like a chef. I don't have time to do that. So I try to do seven ingredients or less. Lasagna has a few more steps, but for the most part, they are pretty darn easy recipes. Like, uh, you know, like for example, the, the, the sweet potato nachos, you know, I mean, they're so easy. It's like, it, it's the cover of the book. It made the cover of the photo because basically you're roasting sweet potatoes or baking sweet potatoes, cutting them into like chip sizes, not crunchy chips, but just fully loading them with all the yummy stuff. You know, pe- kids especially love foods that they can eat with their hands or customize the way you can nachos. So yeah, you, you, you don't have to worry whether you have a weight problem or not, or a food addiction problem or not. I just tried to create delicious recipes like the mint chocolate mousse tort, things like that. So again, if somebody had weight loss or food addiction issues, I would probably tell them if they were only going to buy one of my books to buy the secrets to ultimate weight loss, but for families or people transitioning who just want some good recipes. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention that what is also different about the 10th anniversary edition of Unprocessed, other than the photos and the photo by Dr. John McDougall is I did put in 30 new recipes that won't be found anywhere else, like mm-hmm. the snickerdoodles and just, just some other very yummy recipes. I think it's funny that you uh, that you went away from the humble potato as the cover image. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole book. Is I was like, who puts a potato on their on their cookbook? And but it's amazing that you did. Yeah, well, I do have the sweet potato at least showing right here. Okay, that so at least showing. Yeah, that, that was the publisher choice, but but you know the, the photos are so beautiful. Like, it yeah, just, definitely it, much more delicious looking than than I think uh, than the cover of the first book. But I think I think you were embracing it. You were going for it. You were saying this is this is about unprocessed food. This is that's what it is. But you've obviously made it look look really beautiful. So. Um, I do want to get back to the habits question, but I'm curious while we're talking about beautiful food and things like that, what, like, it's been, I don't know, 10, 15 years now that I've, that I've kind of been in your world. Um, what, what have you made of like, like, what do you do with the, with all the Instagram and the food trends in the plant-based space? Like, do you find them and then, and then, you know, ultimate weight loss, chef AJ eyes, these things, or do you just stand back and say, this is ridiculous what people are doing with food these days and it's crazy. You know, I, 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 (laughs) I, I am so happy when people are vegan. 
for any reason, even, you know, ethical vegans. And so anytime somebody is getting more plants in the world, I'm happy. I just think that at some point people need to know the truth that if you are struggling with health or weight, you may not be able to eat the same delicious looking foods as a you know, a 20 year old influencer can, mm-hmm. you, you just have to know that. So my audience tends to be a little bit older women, you know, 40 and above that really understand that, you know, <laughs> we can't eat the same way, you know, meaning all that delicious, you know, food that wasn't even available when I became vegan 45 years ago. So I don't, I don't bash people for um, making beautiful, delicious, you know, vegan food, but people have to understand that if your goal is weight loss and overcoming or managing food addictions, you may not be able to eat the same as a 20 year old athlete or a 20 year old, uh, you know, uh, influencer, because it's, it's just not the reality of the situation. What also people don't understand is the biggest factor in whether or not you're overweight is genetics. It's genetics. I mean, the food does play a, a role, but like Dr. Colin Campbell says, genetics loads the gun, it's your diet and lifestyle that pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really, really important thing to step back and be able to realize because some people will come to a plant-based diet and assume that because they're eating or not even plant-based, a vegan diet and, and assume that because they're eating vegan, therefore they're eating healthily and therefore they're going to lose weight if that's what their goal is. Uh, of course, that isn't true. We all know that is not true. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of power in, in accepting that and saying like, uh, you know, I see that these people on Instagram maybe are able to eat that food, but I'm actually not. Um, so I think that's, that gets me to this question I've been hinting at, which is the habits thing. Like, I'm just curious how you um, how you get people, how you kind of onboard people to your program and get them to keep doing it, because you certainly have a lot of success with a lot of people. Um, when, when I, I mean, I, I know better, so I know that your recipes are really good, but if I was just looking in from the outside and saying, okay, so you're just eating all these whole foods and there's not added salt and there's not added sugar and there's not oil, like, how's it going to taste good? I, so I, I would think, okay, well then it must be something where like, it's a really carefully designed system on how you slowly, gradually incorporate this stuff into your diet. But really, I think like, I remember with Erin, like she just started, like, it was just like, go. And I've heard Rip Esselstyn argue this point that, that, that can actually be better and more powerful than the kind of gradual approach to changing habits, because you start to get the results faster and you get through the difficult phase faster. Um, we've, we've talked about this, debated it back and forth on this podcast for years and years, which, which approach is best. And honestly, I don't know. I I really, I've gone back and forth. I think it's going to depend on the individual, right? And how severely they are addicted because, you know, somebody that just has a little bit of a drinking problem may be able to cut down their alcohol consumption, but somebody that is an alcoholic that is end stage, that is at risk of losing their family and job probably needs to quit drinking a lot sooner than trying to cut down. And, you know, I mean, abstinence never doesn't work. It's just that it's not possible for everybody. So what I try to tell people is 21 days, three weeks, you know, a lot of people celebrate a holiday called Lent, which I believe is 40 days, where they give something up that's very meaningful to them. Maybe it's coffee or alcohol or sex or chocolate. I don't know. And and most people are able to do that because they know it's just for a certain time. Well, take Lent divided by two, you have 21 days. And what I try to encourage people to is just do the best you can for these three weeks and do this as an experiment. You never go into this saying, this is how I have to eat forever for the rest of my life because you will fail miserably. You're doing this as an experiment to gain data and you're going to see how you feel. And on day 22, you can reevaluate whether or not this works for you. The thing is, is I've never actually, to people that are compliant, I've never seen it not work. Now, does that mean that they're compliant every day for the rest of their life? No, of course. There's things like, like you mentioned, eating at restaurants, travel, social pressure that pull people back into the pleasure trap. But when they understand this concept of the pleasure trap, 
And they understand that it's not their fault if they love these foods, if they're addicted to them, because they're genetically hardwired to prefer the taste of sugar, fat, and salt for survival. And also, if you give them a group process, a lot of times people do better if they're in a group because they can support each other along the way. They they often can do very well. And also, I would say to people that can't go 100%, this is also based on your personality. Some people do better, like you say, going a little bit slowly. Any change you're willing to make in the direction of optimum health, the more plants you're willing to eat, the less animal products and processed food you're willing to eat, the better your outcome is going to be. So don't feel like it has to be all or none, but if you are an addict, it might. Yeah, I I love that answer. Um, I absolutely love the idea of a kind of time-bound challenge. Like for me, when I went vegetarian for the first time, 2009, uh, I'd been hesitant forever to do it. But the thing that got me to do it was I said, I'm just going to do a week of this. And actually it was, it was, I was still had fish in my diet then. I, I was, I was such at the beginning. I didn't know any, I didn't know vegan, what anything was, but it was like vegetarian plus fish. And I thought that seems like a really hard diet to follow. Cause I was eating all kinds of stuff. And I said, I'm just going to do it for 10 days. I think it was 10 days. And I got to the end and I loved it. Loved how I felt. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it for 30 days. So that's been always in the back of my mind. I mentioned that we debate this like small steps versus massive action approach. What I always end up recommending is this sort of like go all in, but put in it, put a time end on it so that you can have a finish line. And then when you start craving something five days in, it's not like I can never have that cheeseburger again my entire life. And what am I doing? Cause, cause you're going to lose that fight usually. But mm-hmm. if it's, I just need to get to the end of this challenge and then I can prove to myself that I was able to do what I set out to do. And then I can make a decision if I want, I can go back then, but I'm not going to, in the heat of the moment of craving that thing, I'm not going to cave right now. And I think you're so much more likely to get there and then be able to make a reasonable choice based on your results and, and, you know, an honest assessment of how the challenge went. So I think that that three week challenge is is a really, really brilliant thing to, to suggest to people. Um, it's like running said, an experiment, running an experiment. Is yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and, and you're just, you're basically get, getting information that's going to be useful to you. Also, not everybody has to give everything up or what it seems like, because I think people have to know their selves and know their, what their non-negotiables are, right? So there are people for whom, you know, they can have a little bread, a little flour, a little pasta, but for other people, they can't. You have to know yourself what your trigger foods are, what your gateway foods are, which foods are have an addictive-like process for you. That's all. And, and so these experiments help you gain information. You know, mm-hmm. not everybody has to give up salt 100%, but for some people, salt is the trigger. That's why everybody is different. And that's why doing an abstinence-based plan, even for a short amount of time, like let's say when you went to, if you went to the True North Health Center, you're going to learn information when you start start refeeding and including these foods like like cheese for example that's a really addictive food for a lot of people yeah 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 and what i was going to say when i when i blanked for a second there was uh that that if even if, if you don't feel like like if you hear three weeks and you're like oh my god i could never do that then that's what you just said like unprocessed would be perfect for that because you just you just try some recipes here and there for the next few months and you might find that like you can make it a whole day doing them and like you find that you start to actually want that kind of food and changes happen and they sometimes happen slowly, but they really do happen to your, to your taste buds and what you're craving. Likewise, when I tried to first go vegan, or I shouldn't say tried to, when I first wanted to go from vegetarian to vegan, I knew I was ready. I kind of kept putting it off forever. Finally, I said, I'm going to do a 30 day challenge of it. And when I got to the end of that challenge, I was like, could not wait to have cheese pizza again. I was counting on the day so I could eat cheese pizza again. And I did, and I was blogging about this the whole time, so I wasn't ashamed of it or anything, and I just said I'm not quite ready to do that. But then I found that having done that, it made it so that during the next like three or six months, I started just incorporating all these vegan meals into my life because I had I had experienced it. And it was hard, but I made it through it, and it was good. Um, 
And so like, and somehow it was that process. It was the period after that challenge of gradually incorporating these things into my life that like actually made it finally got to the point where I said, okay, like now I can do it. Now I'm totally ready because I've just had that experience. And then I've had this time to sort of, uh, you know, integrate or whatever and just do it. So I think that would be another use if, if someone tries this thing and they find they're just not, or it may be what we're saying is not appealing to someone who just says, I don't want to eat like that forever. I want to have more freedom. Then, then that's another perfect use for, for your book. Or if you want to go all in, then, then, you got the rest but of it would be it would be nice though for people to even once in their life experience what I call going back to factory settings. You know, yeah, you know sure. what it was like before your brain chemistry and your taste buds were adulterated. A lot of people when we used to do the in person program when I lived in Los Angeles, uh, people like uh, it, it was thirty days and on day thirty one they would go eat that cheese pizza or whatever that thing was and most of the time they would either not enjoy it because it wasn't what they remembered or they would actually get physically sick from it. And that, that's also useful information. Yeah. All right. Last question, Adrian, before I let you go. Um, I'm curious, like I said, it's, you've been at this a while. I've known you for a while. Has your approach changed during the past decade as the plant-based movement has gotten so much more mainstream and grown? Like has, have things about how you encourage people to, to get healthy? Has that changed? Yeah, boy, I I think it has. I'm, I think I'm less stringent with people because I realize that you have to include people. If you want to have a movement, you can't alienate them. And I, and I really actually kind of try to minimize the way I eat, not make that the focal point anymore, because I'm not trying to be held up to this Dr. Goldhammer like ideal that I'm so perfect or whatever. I eat this way because it's good for me. And so I want everyone to know that they're welcome in this movement, you know, just for eating, eating more plants. That said, I also really like to incorporate the work of Dr. Doug Lyle, who wrote The Pleasure Trap, because I understand this phenomenon he teaches called the ego trap, that if we make things too hard for people, they're not going to be able to do it. And so uh, I don't want to set the bar so high that people aren't going to even try. And I know that that I, I might come off like that because I eat that way. But guess what? I eat that way because I really like it. I've been doing it for a really long time. I don't think of it myself as anything special. I just really like the food now. Well, it absolutely shows your enthusiasm never, ever fails to come through. And, uh, and I appreciate that about you. I'm sure everybody else, uh, whoever comes across you does as well. Uh, so yeah, if you're curious to, uh, to, to reset to the factory settings, like Chef AJ said, or just want to dip your toe in and try some of these recipes and try this unprocessed way of eating, uh, you absolutely should check out Unprocessed. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend this approach, this book. Um, Chef Eddie, what's the what's the new official name of the new 10th anniversary uh, It's version? called 10th Anniversary Edition Unprocessed. Revitalize your health with whole foods. Awesome. And where can people pick this up? Anywhere that fine books are sold. No, <laughs> I mean, truthfully, though, it's, it's, it's my first time with a publisher. So it's fun, you know, having a book in Barnes and Noble and getting to do oh, book cool. Good for you. But of course, yeah, but of course, Amazon as well, or I, I'm sure, you know, mom and pop bookstores, I'm not 100% sure, because we don't even have any of those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, unfortunately. And uh, is it out already? Or is it coming out? Yeah, it's out. It's out now. It's out. And, and and I thank everybody that supported it. I really appreciate it. it. At one point, it was like number one on Amazon, you know, oh my gosh. one new release. Yeah, so wow. it did pretty Amazing. good. And, good uh, and yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, Chef AJ, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for, for doing this work. It has had, like I said, a personal impact on my life and my wife, Aaron's, and uh, I'm forever grateful for that, as I know she is as well. Uh, so thank you for, for sharing all you have to, to share here and uh, hope to cross paths again sooner rather than later. Same here. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, everyone, for listening.